The Joe Mays and J-Rap Show is brought to you in part by Mays Sandwich Shop, serving delicious hometown favorites to the West Lawn community since 1947. listening to the Joe Mays and J-Rap Show, bringing you the latest news and commentary on baseball. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, struck him out! The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! Hockey. Football. The Big Ten Championship lies on a measurement. Did he get it? No! He didn't get it! Penn State holds! They brought back the fun, they brought back the excitement, and now they brought back a Big Ten Championship. The Penn State Nittany Lions are Big Ten Champions. And the NFL. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback! Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 231 of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Hi, uh, yeah, it's good good to be here. Um... We we had had a you know a bit of a schedule there where we were getting into a routine, then you know uh, spring spring break you know uh, even for the show kind of came and then uh, you know but it, it's good to be back in the swing of things and back to a familiar topic tonight. Yes, we are fully back to sports one hundred percent. No talk of movies this evening, which we had done for the previous at least four or five episodes. We dealt mostly in film and cinema going over our movie madness bracket and then moving on to a fun little uh, viral social media type movies experiment last week on episode 230. In there, we also got to have a guest on Mr. Dominic Jones from the Star Wars Underworld. He talked to us about our movie madness tournament, and we had a lot of fun talking to him. But this week, we are back to sports. We are on a topic that had for you know nearly two decades of my life been one of my favorite events in the entire calendar year for sports. Everyone points to the Super Bowl, you know, or opening opening day. The NFL Draft has always been one of my favorite events in all of sports, and I look forward to it every year. But this year, just a little bit out of it, not as tuned in as I had been literally since 1995. Like, I don't know a year that I have known as little as I did this year but getting to watch the draft on the first round of the draft Thursday night with you and my dad, we still had a lot of fun enjoying it. Maybe didn't know as much about all the players being picked or certainly which direction many of the teams would go. But Justin and I have uh, reviewed the picks and we're here to talk tonight. We'll obviously break down the top 10. We'll go over some of the notable first round picks. We'll talk about Penn State, and we'll dive into our main six teams that we cover here on the show, spending most of our time probably on the Eagles at the beginning, and then following up with the Cowboys, Steelers, Ravens, Patriots, and 
Dolphins. Anything, you know, kind of like a grand overview of what happened at the drafts on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Um, I just think, you know, there's so, it's interesting to me because there's some people who are like, you know, the draft is, uh, you know, kind of like overkill. Like people, like people make a big deal out of it, even though most people have no idea what's really going on. Like, I would say even at the level you and I are are at this year, where you know we weren't following it nearly as closely, just inherently from our and following college football we're able to, you know, we probably know more than a vast majority of the people who are tuned into the NFL draft only on this week. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I look at it, you know, I, I'm not exactly, not like, you know, a few years ago when, when you were really in tune, you know, kind of giving me stuff about every one of these players, you know, that's coming from like a D3 school. But, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we I think we still knew enough. And especially we have an idea for the teams that we care about one way or the other. Either or our listeners fan, care right, about. Right, yeah. So, like, you know, the teams that we root for and or root against, we generally have an idea, um, you know, where where their needs are and just some of the the news stories that are going along with them uh, as, as we get in touch with some of the stuff. So, it, it I was excited for it, but like you said, um, you know, I... Honestly, one of the things going in was I was like, is Cleveland going to screw this up? So, and honestly, there's no way to really tell well, today. They were I mean? busy. So, they did a lot on right. Thursday, and we'll get to that. We'll touch on each of those briefly. I, I think before we dive into the football aspect of the teams, the players, I think we should take a step back and talk about the atmosphere because it was in Philadelphia for the first yeah. time in what was it, 56 years? Yeah, long, 1961. Long time, right. Now, Philadelphia hosted the inaugural draft in 1938, I yeah. think. Maybe 36. Now I'm forgetting. Uh, it was something in the mid to late 30s. The first ever NFL draft was held in Philadelphia. Yeah. Came back um, most recently in 61 until 2017. A few more people in attendance this year. Yes, uh, just, just a tad. And it, they didn't disappoint. Uh, what an atmosphere no. it was. It was mentioned multiple times, and I'll pull up some pictures here to take a look at it and yeah it was a, a great time by all uh 70, on hand thursday night and you can get an idea uh from that picture there what it looked like for at, the record that's more than the eagle stadium that's more than lincoln financial field right. holds. like you know so that that's an incredible that's an incredible number of of people there you know, is there to, really to watch cool the draft shot yeah there. um you know it when the Eagles were on the clock. Right. And and it's one of those things. It's cool because it's not just, you know, Philly people or Philly news saying like, oh, you know, it's great turnout. It was a big success. Like the sports writers. <laughs> the sports writers were kind of all talking about how, like Adam Schefter sent out a tweet just saying like, this is, you know, more than Philly could have hoped for in yeah. terms of how things went. And um, it that's a lot of fun. And I'm glad it went. It, it seemed to go really well. Yeah. And it is a really, really cool photo uh, at night with the Eagles on the clock. They did it on the Art Museum steps, you know, the Rocky steps. And wow, what an atmosphere. It was really, really cool to see. And everyone from the NFL, you know, the executives that talked about it, seemed really pleased with the way everything went. 
You know, they they got the the stereotypical Philadelphia booing in, which right. was wonderful. It was egged on right. by Goodell. Right, which... but I think that's great. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Because like they knew it was going to happen. Be you right. Like, oh, and by the you. way, he gets booed in New York. He gets, booed, gets booed in everywhere. Chicago. He gets yeah, right. It's just what people do. But he knew it was going to come. But like he played into it, which just kind of it's great because it's it set the like in a situation where the NFL a, a lot of times can come across especially the New York offices of the NFL, I'm saying here, right. come across as taking themselves way too seriously. See celebration rules. See, you know, X, right. Y, and Z. Um, there's some other things. I'll talk about this off the show. But <laughs> that, you know, Roger Goodell said this week. But, like, that was a great, you know, idea to just kind of, like, you know, play into it. And, and uh, you know, they, they basically let – it's a way for 70,000 people to interact with something that really for the majority of the time, there's nothing for them to really watch. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not like a football game where there's actually stuff going on. I mean, I'm sure they have things on the screens they're introducing, you know, they bring up military people, they bring up families and and that's all fantastic stuff. But at the same time, like, you know, there, there's long periods of time where there's nobody picking, you know, and then they announce the pick. Sometimes the person's there, sometimes they're not, and then that's it. You know, so the current picture up if you're watching on Facebook Live or watching YouTube after the fact, this was sent out by the official Philadelphia Eagles Twitter account. This photo shows what it looked like the sea of people from the stage and out back towards the city. And just a sea of people, <clears throat> seventy thousand plus strong. Really, really cool photo. And then we can see it from the city towards the stage. Um, from Brian Taff of 6ABC. Let's see if I can pull these up. And you can see right back here along. For the record, I've run that stretch um, on the uh, doing the Philly Half Marathon twice. That's a longer distance than you would than you would realize. That's a few blocks. <laughs> and you can see it's zoomed in here a bit, but just the mass, mass of people. And you see the art museum in the distance and then the main stage. And then people flow all the way back to almost to the traffic circle. Yeah. So Philadelphia, great job. Uh, you know, I know there was, you know, an abundance of people and there were traffic headaches, but right, you're going to have those smooth, issues, right? Smoothly, right? Smooth, smoothly. <laughs> We've talked about Flow this a couple of weeks now. Smoothly. <laughs> so yeah, so good job, Philadelphia. Hopefully, you know, I would love that it was Chicago back to back years. I'd love for Philadelphia to have it back to back years because I'd want to go next year, right? And we did find out that Philadelphia will be uh, attempting to get a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, which could be interesting. You know, I, I, I wonder if that means they're looking to put a roof on the stadium, or if they're just gonna, you know, kind of do an as-is kind of. I, I don't know. I, there's lots of implications there that I don't really know what those are. That we'll have plenty of time to talk about that because it's not for a little while yet. But yes, well, let's get into the draft now. The first pick was owned by the Cleveland Browns. The Browns. Crazy to think, and they mentioned this on Thursday night, and I, when you got here, I said something yeah. to you immediately. The Browns have been awful for nearly the last two decades, essentially since they joined the league. I think they've had two seasons where they were close to the playoffs, one one they got in the playoffs. I mean, the, old, the old Browns haven't been that bad in that time frame. No, no, let's not go there. <laughs> Man, Joe's ears are ringing. Yeah, yeah. But the Browns kept the pick. It's the first time they had the number one overall pick since 2000 when oh. Penn Staters went one and two. Courtney and Brown to the Browns, LeVar Arrington yeah. to the Redskins. Arguably didn't make the right pick there. All, on the other hand, it was the Browns, so is it, you know, 
there's not necessarily means it could have been whoever they picked wouldn't have worked out that well. But, um, you know, LeVar Arrington had, you know, a pretty strong career until he had some, you know, health issues. Um, but uh, yeah, Courtney Brown didn't have a, nearly the career that LeVar Arrington had in the NFL. No, no, not and not but of that of a number one pick. I know we'll talk about Penn State a little bit later, but Penn State had the one and two pick right. from the same defense that year. Spoiler yeah. alert, there were more picks in the first two picks in 2000 than Penn State had <laughs> in the entire draft this year. Yes, also matched by Kutztown this year. And bested by Villanova, yeah. which we'll get to. So the first pick, kind of went as expected. Most of the time, people thought it was going to be Miles Garrett, the defensive end from Texas A&M. And despite flirting with Trubisky or maybe another quarterback, that ended up being Garrett to the surprise of very, very few people. Then the first big surprise did happen yeah. immediately as we're sitting there after Miles Garrett is introduced as the number one overall pick going to the Cleveland Browns. All of a sudden, the 49ers drop from two to three and the Chicago Bears jump up one spot. And chalk, chalk up a win for John Lynch. In oh, his first, what a great move. His first draft as GM. I know there are people who are like, yeah, but what if Trubisky turns out to be a really good quarterback? That's true. But the Niners are terrible. Like, talent-wise, they they are they need a lot of help. They're on their third coach in three years. Fourth coach in four years. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because it was Harbaugh, then I don't even know. The guy that they, they play, they hired just because they were they knew they could pay him, like, the minimum while still paying Harbaugh for firing then him. Then Chip Kelly. Then Chip Kelly, and now... <laughs> Um, my gosh, I, I can't even, even think know. of who the coach is out there right now. Oh, the I'll, guy, the guy from uh, Atlanta. The oh, uh, Shanahan. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Man, I was like, oh, I don't know a coach in the NFL. Uh, so yeah, so the Bears jump up to three with the 49ers. They just flip flop, but the 49ers hoodwinked the Bears. Yeah, get, getting a third and fourth this year that they used uh, Friday. No, yeah, Friday and then Saturday, third and fourth. And also a third-round pick next year for one spot. Now, the 49ers weren't taking Trubisky. Right. They were taking who they took at three, Solomon Thomas. Which is awesome, and I know you've heard this. but So, John Lynch went back and got his degree from Stanford just a few years ago. While there, he took a class with Solomon Thomas. <laughs> and they were partners on a group project. So, so he knows this guy pretty he well. He knows Solomon Thomas, like, literally in the classroom. Um you know, we all know how those group projects can go. They're oh, either, yeah. They either go really well or really bad. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that this particular group project went pretty went well. well. Um, so <laughs> that being said, um, you know, you know, solid pick for them. And I, I think that connection is kind of cool. Um, and they got the guy they wanted and a bunch of extra picks. Really couldn't ask for more from San Francisco. And they talked about how... Every time the TV screen went to San Francisco, John Lynch had his phone up. They said they don't know that he was actually talking to anyone about anything significant, but it made the Bears think, John Lynch is on the phone. <laughs> Somebody's trying to get up to two, take our guy. Also, the front office in Chicago did not tell John yeah, Fox and crew. that's been disputed, but, but who knows who's telling the truth. Right, exactly. But either way, the fact that that can even, you know, that's one of those things where I – this is how I view it. It gets reported because somebody's like, John Fox didn't know about that. Or one of the other coaches didn't know, right? And then they go after the fact and they're like, John, did you know? Oh, yeah, we discussed all this. Because what's he going to say? Yeah, they did it without me. Right. You know, like make that divide bigger. You know, 
I don't know. Either way, it'll be interesting to see there kind of how that works. So, All right. So the Jaguars at four took Leonard Fournette. That offense is young and has a lot of talent. Hopefully Bortles can rebound and have a good year for the Jaguars now that he's got Fournette in his backfield. Yeah, I think the leash is still really short there, especially having brought in Parcells like to kind of run the show. Oh, you mean uh, not Parcells. Yeah, not you mean Parcells. Tom Coughlin. Yeah, that's what I meant. I meant old grouchy guy. <laughs> Insert name here. Yeah. Then the Titans, who got the pick from the Chargers because of the golf trade last year, they select Corey Davis, the speedy wide receiver from Western Michigan. Good weapon for uh, Mariota to have. Then one of my favorite players in the entire draft, Jamal Adams, the safety from LSU, goes unfortunately to one of the teams I hate the most, the New York Jets. Some argue that he was the best, or it certainly maybe the second best overall player in the draft, but... You know, positions and needs kind of drive a lot here, especially um, early on. So they, uh, the Jets got a good one here in Jamal Adams, you know, trying to – and they have a defensive coach as their head coach. So, you know, a lot of people really like that pick, including you. I do. I do like it, it a lot. I mean, I, yeah, I like it. I hate it because I like it so much. Right, exactly. Then the other L.A. team actually did make a pick, the Chargers – Go with Mike Williams, someone that you really liked. We're hoping maybe for Philadelphia, yeah. wide receiver from Clemson. Uh, too many Mike Williams have been wide receivers in the NFL over the years. Yes. <laughs> some good, some bad. Exactly. Um, I, I think it is a good pick for the Chargers. Oh, so do I. Um, you know, I If they want to have any chance of winning now, they got to give Philip Rivers weapons. Yeah. And it's going to be yeah. and in the he, wideout and core he fits, now. he fits the mold of the guys that San Diego has always had, like 6'4". Two third, you know, like yeah. he's a big wide receiver. Well, and I don't uh, know that he's six four, but I mean, you know, just like I'm thinking, like this goes back, but like David Boston pre HGH, he was still a big guy, and then he became a huge guy. Um, you know, but like some of those guys were just insane, and they've always had a big guy out there, and Mike Williams can fit right in. The second Stanford player to go in the top eight was running back Christian McCaffrey going to the Panthers. Maybe a little bit of surprise, at least for me, that the Panthers wanted him. Well, it's interesting because they, they wanted Fournette. They wanted Fournette. They kind of made it clear, and so then they took like the next running back, which is fine. Like He's a lot of, of people, slash. a lot of people love Christian McCaffrey, but the exact opposite style of Leonard Fournette—not better or worse, but just when you're talking about this guy and talking up the style and all the things that can do for you, when that guy's gone, you're like, okay, they'll probably go a different direction. But they made... well, they kind of did, but like. They made a know. good point on Thursday night on NFL Network saying that now with the weapons that the Panthers offense have, can you imagine trying to stop a read option with yeah. Newton in the backfield with McCaffrey? Well, if you have Stewart in there in a dual, I, you know, a split back. I saw one then, of the things they talked about too was they're like, they talked about how Cam Newton's completion percentage was like 59, 58% last year, something like that, under 60, which isn't good, especially in a time and an era where you're seeing guys flirt with 70% right. on a fairly like every season basis. Um, you know, that's the high end, obviously, but they talk about these short passes. Well, Christian McCaffrey brings, they said he's easily going to catch four or five balls just, you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage every, every like week. And whether that's good for the TV or not, they obviously that's a completely separate discussion. They said, but you eliminate those five, which maybe four of them were incompletes for Cam and you make, them easy passes short to the running back, all of a sudden you're talking like 65% completion percentage. You know, like so they said, this one move just shows some of the flaw in that statistic, but also just 
protecting him a little bit from getting hit so much. So I think I think it'll be a good fit if they can work him in right. Um, yeah, he. It, it'll be interesting. I, I I like Christian McCaffrey. I honestly have no idea what to think of him. It was kind of hard to get a read because while he he had his moments this past year at Stanford, Stanford had a, a somewhat a somewhat down year over from what they've had the last decade. So um, he kind of struggled at times, but they didn't have a ton of weapons there on offense. They they have a solid defense usually, but offensively they kind of struggle at times, and they've struggled at quarterback in the last few years. Uh, so. It, it can be difficult to assess what, what that actually means. The Bengals picked ninth. They missed the playoffs for the first time this year since 2010. They needed a threat opposite A.J. Green, who unfortunately for them is getting older now and has fought through some injuries. Yeah, exactly. And they added an incredibly speedy wide receiver from Washington, John Ross. He's had some health issues, and that was a thought to maybe hold him back a little bit. But they took him in the top ten, and they'll pair him with Green and Eifert, and now an incredible, incredibly deep running back backfield, which we'll yeah. get to, I think, a little bit later. I have uh, I have his name coming up, but they've now got three running backs. I'm not sure how where the touches are going to go, but Andy Dalton better get it done now, or Marvin yeah. Lewis will no longer be the longest-tenured coach in the NFL. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And maybe a bit of a surprise here at 10, the Chiefs trading up from way down with Buffalo to get to this 10 spot. People thought initially that this was going to be the quarterback from Clemson, Deshaun Watson. Because the, there's been a connection, and Andy Reid has been you know, a big fan of Deshaun Watson for a long time, last few years. Um, so kind of, people kind of thought it was heading that way. And they did go quarterback, but they did not go with Deshaun Watson. No, they went with Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback from Texas Tech. Uh, he he needs refinement. Oh, yeah. He needs years. But the yeah. thing is, the Chiefs have the system. Right. With Andy Reid and the current quarterback right. Alex Smith not well, quite ready to hang it up. The physical tools that you saw, you know, there were reports. The there reports that he he can throw it in the end zone from a knee from seventy five yards. Yeah, we saw highlights. Now I didn't see that. I saw him throw it seventy five yards yeah. into the end zone fairly easily. Yeah, there was a Very highlight where he's scr- scrambling to his left. He's a right handed quarterback, so throwing as you're running to your left, sprinting to your left is a hard throw to make, throws it like 40 yards into the corner of the end zone, drops it, you know, perfectly. Like, those are the types of things where, man, if you got a guy who can make those types of throws and you think he can, you know, develop into being able to understand the position and it's going to be a very different system than at Texas Tech, you know, under Cliff Kingsbury, I think there. Yes. Um, so it's going to be a very different system. But if if you think he's got the tools and can – make the adjustment then you may have gotten the guy who in a few years you know is, is your go-to guy i think alex smith is 32 or 33 um you know so probably has a few more years left but you know that decision isn't a decision they're going to make this ideally year. they'd like anticipate alex smith to be your quarterback this year in kansas city ideally the chiefs probably want to be in that 9 to 11 win area so that alex smith can stay there for the next two years i, mean, right. I would think maybe yeah. three if they can push it but mahomes They'll want to see what they got eventually because you're going to have to be picking up a fifth-year option because of that. Right. The uh, the collective bargaining agreement changed that with the first-round draft picks. So we need to see something from him before right. deciding are we picking that up or not. So I would think that the plan is for at least this year Alex Smith to start probably next year as well. Now I'm talking 2018. 
before Mahomes takes over, likely 2019. That would be my guess. But but if you look at it, you know, you're in a division where it looks like you know um, Carr is going to be the the guy the the next premier quarterback in that in that division. Right. That's had some studs for a, for Alex a while Smith now. Alex Smith and Phil Rivers are on the wrong side of 30. Right. Exactly. So. If you're looking at Kansas City, you're like, well, we don't want to be left in the dark and scrambling for somebody in a few years yep. as these other teams are starting to add their guys in. So if they think that's their guy, you know, or can be their guy, I should say, then, you know, go for it, I guess. All right, we're going to do a few quick hits here in the next parts of the segments, recounting the NFL draft from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in Philadelphia. Pick 12, Houston Texans, they got Deshaun Watson, I love quarterback this pick. from Clemson. I think it's great. He's the best quarterback they will have had. Since two years ago, Hoyer was there, right? He and was, did, yeah. And did okay, but couldn't stay healthy. Um, and then, you know, they didn't give Honestly, him a job anyway. He, and all that he's stuff, probably the best quarterback they had since Matt Schaub had a few good the, years you in can, a row. You can make that argument, yeah. And they've made the playoffs the last two years. So, right. like, it's hard for me to imagine that Deshaun Watson, under Bill O'Brien, and I know people are like, well, Bill O'Brien hasn't done it since he went to Houston, all that stuff. I get it. I get it. But it's hard for me to believe that Deshaun Watson isn't good enough to lead them to the playoffs again this year. You know, now you a lot say. of that'll depend. But like Indy has shown us that it's not just Andrew Luck being healthy. It's they yeah, have a lot a of issues, of right? So why not Houston, right? Um, I I think Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback they've had there in a few years, which is scary to think about because. What you see from him this year is only going to be the tip of the iceberg, and he right. can get better. Now, how long can they keep the defense together? How long can they keep those things? Those are all other questions, but I think I think Houston has a lot to be excited about from that pick. Up next, 13 was the Arizona Cardinals, and they took Philadelphia-area native and Temple alum Hassan Reddick awesome to play story. linebacker. Kid goes to high school in Camden, walks on at Temple, and now gets drafted. 13. Yeah, 13th. Second highest Temple pick ever, I believe. Um, who would have been in front of him? Um, the, uh, the, he, Muhammad he Wilkerson. No? Was he n- not top 13? It could have been. I thought it was a guy. He might have been It was lower. a lineman for the Jets, I believe. Yeah, Muhammad Wilkerson. No, no, no. This is like from like oh, from a long time ago. 90s. Oh, that's yeah. funny that they're on the same. Yeah. Wilkerson is with the Jets still. I, I'm pretty sure it it's that. I, I could be wrong. Okay, I, 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 I can't. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Uh, next notable one, only because he was thought to be one of the top three to five players in the draft. Jonathan Allen, the defensive lineman from Alabama, fell to the Redskins at 17. Yeah, I don't word like is, that because he's a good player. He's good and he went to the Redskins. The word is that he has issues with his shoulder. Well, actually, I think there are issues with both, both shoulders. Both shoulders, right, yes. Yeah. yes. So, now, you know, if that's taken care of, then the Redskins got a steal because you got one of the best players in the draft more than halfway through. So At 18, the Titans were up for the second time. This time it was their own pick. And speaking of injuries, a player we saw get knocked out of the Rose Bowl game against Penn State, USC defensive back and returner Adorate Jackson. Yeah. Night- uh, another playmaker. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. If they can figure out a way to get him the ball in the return game or even use him at wide receiver if they don't think that he's quite ready on defense. He could be an interesting slash type player in 2017. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting that Tennessee has gotten to that point where they can take. Yeah, you know, they're they're probably going to look to play him in the defensive backfield at some point here. But like a guy that they can they can make like a you know how we see this in college recruiting how they take like athlete you know who's not really determined where or how he's going to contribute yet, but you know they know he's just good enough to kind of fit in somewhere. 
and that, that Tennessee is at that point where they're not, they don't, you know, oh, we don't need the best offensive lineman at this point. We don't, you know, like they're like, we can right. take a defensive back slash returner slash just weapon guy to guy. You know, that's a good sign for Tennessee. I think that they feel they're at that point. 19th, Tampa Bay, only notable because I wanted him to go to Miami, <laughs> Alabama tight end, OJ Howard. The Buccaneers have quietly put together quite the offense on paper. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, from Jameis Winston yeah. to Mike, or I almost said Mike Williams, I mean another Mike Williams to um, who they just signed, uh, Deshaun Jackson, yeah. and you hope that Doug Martin is healthy for them, right? And the oh, wide receiver from Texas A and M, that their number one guy, I can't think of his name. I don't know. He's he's my keeper in fantasy, and I can't even. I can't think of his name now. Oh, I know who you mean. You know who I'm talking about, yeah. though. Yeah, because I have him in another league. In another league, right? Yeah. yeah. And I can't remember his name either. Yeah. So We're getting old. Yeah, we are, really. Um, so the Buccaneers have quite the offense, if they can put it all together. And um, Mike Evans. I, I, I knew it was Mike something. That's why I said Mike. And I was like, it's not Williams. So, yeah, Mike Evans to pair with Deshaun Jackson. Doug Martin, Jameis Winston, and I mean Cameron Brait wasn't anything to sneeze at last year. Uh-huh. Tight end. Now they add OJ Howard. So right. if the Buccaneers can get a semblance of a defense, they could be making some noise in the NFC South this year. Twenty-four. We'll jump there. Oakland Raiders only notable because it's a guy that was in the news a lot leading up to the draft. Gary and Conley, the defensive back from Ohio State, the one accused of rape, essentially. Yeah. The week of the draft. <laughs> yeah, like, leading up to the draft. So they said the issue there was it didn't give NFL teams a enough, lot of time to time, investigate. Right. Um, I did see a report, and I, I, to be honest, I have not followed the story that closely. I saw the headline, but I do know that um, he passed a polygraph. On, right on Thursday, they said a lot of NFL teams do believe that he will be exonerated from this. That it's you know kind of a ploy. I'm not here to discuss whether that's yeah, we're not accurate or not. But that. like, it was interesting. And and I said it'll be it'll be interesting because if a team takes him, then you know what they have to deal they with believe it. that that he's, innocent. that he's innocent because they would the way with the things are set up now they would not take him in the first round if they thought he's going to be missing a year or more you know from the league let alone from his legal issues so this goes to show me that the Oakland Raiders aren't minimizing. The problem they think there isn't a if problem. If he would here. be indicted, my guess is the Raiders wouldn't even sign him. No, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. They wouldn't. You don't have to worry him. about it. Yep. So we'll have to pay attention to that. But yeah, like you said, if the Raiders felt good enough to take him at twenty-four, my instinct is saying that the teams, or at least the Raiders, think he is innocent and that right. this is just uh, fabricated. Twenty-five. The Browns' second of three picks, they take Jabril Peppers. Interesting pick, yeah. Safety, linebacker, return man from Michigan, a guy that got a lot of press last year. Not sure how much of it was deserved. I think he was maybe one of the most overrated players in all of college football. Well, how did Joe feel about this pick, being a fan of both? I think he likes the potential, but like he would be... I, I didn't talk to him a lot about this specific one, but I know that he would... Be happy that they got a Michigan guy, but at the same time, Joe's probably thinking it's not going to work because 
one, he went to the Browns, and two, he's from Michigan, and all his friends from Ohio State are going to rip him about it, how the Michigan guy is terrible. That's <laughs> probably his main line of thinking. The second thing, and I know he would agree on this one, is that all right, you, you gotta, you're not playing all over. Where are you going to play and be good at that position? You know, well, and he's not big enough to play linebacker. Well, we talked about it leading up to the draft that we we weren't together when this pick was made, but we talked about Peppers and. I said, you need to go to a location that has a great defensive coordinator, a great system, someone smart enough to figure out where to play him and when. He's not an everyday player, at probably at either position, at least not right now. And like you said, he's not big enough to play linebacker, at least not every down, maybe right. situationally, I third thought, down passing situations, things like that. But When I, they played the better teams, he was exposed in college football. Right, what is it going to be like in the NFL? Right. like Yeah, head scratcher, yeah. but I wasn't high on him to begin with. Right. I mean, I mean, it, of course, there's still a little bit of a of a, a hate for him spurning Penn State because he was right. He was choosing between Michigan, and Penn State, a few other schools. But like, I just, in, I think he's a fantastic college football player. I thought his production didn't match the hype last year. Now, I'm not sure it could have because he was hyped a lot, and yeah, Michigan, really was. Michigan had things rolling for a while last year until they hit some stumbling blocks. Yeah, but. Um, Somebody mentioned that because there were a number of Michigan players that got drafted. And somebody said, "Hey, I think through the first round it was as they, many as they set a record as Alabama, a school right? record or more. I, I don't know, but somebody said, heck of a lot of talent for to finish third in their division in in the Big Ten East.' No, the Browns actually made three picks in the first round. They traded back with Green Bay to get twenty nine. They wanted the tight end David Nyoku from Miami, and they let go Gary Barnage. And Gary Barnage is now a free agent who had a great year two years ago. wasn't that great last year. At the same time, though, it's the Browns. Yeah, like you have to think Gary Barnage might be a good pickup for a for team anyone. that's looking for a right. He'll end up going end. to New England. Yeah, and. Have scoring 12 touchdowns and get a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. 31 was the 49ers, notable only because they traded up with the Seahawks to get another guy that they say they had rated in their top three, a player that many team, many many people thought would go in the top 10. He had some issues off the field and maybe injury-related as well. Yes. And that's Reuben Foster, the mammoth linebacker from Alabama. He's a pl- guy that I wanted the Dolphins to also consider, but he... His free fall stops at 31, goes to San Francisco, and John Lynch, like he said, got Solomon, Thomas, and Reuben Foster to shore up that defense. See, to me, this is an interesting kind of thing because they talk about how Reuben Foster, not just, there are just a variety of issues, like you mentioned, but some include like attitude and things like attitude on the field and, and stuff like that, which is interesting to me because we talk about this all the time. Nick Saban is very much, in the way he runs that program, it is. His way or you're gone. You know what I mean? See that as he fired his offensive coordinator between the first round and second round of the college football playoff. You know, like between the semifinal and the final, he fired. Now, no, they mutually agreed to right. leave, to go separate ways. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. um, I believe that. But, you know, so I know I know we have Saban's a separate issue. But, like, they've got the talent to just replace guys. You know, like if you're not buying in, if you're not doing your thing, right? Yet he still was a standout on that team. So, like, if those issues are real, then his talent level must be absolutely insane to to make up for that, right? Like in my mind, or those issues aren't as big as are they are being portrayed to be. You know what I mean? Which right. I think is the more likely case because 
this sounds kind of ridiculous, but you can only be so good. You know what I mean? And he's really good to begin with. So how could he be that much better? You know what I mean? Like, he's not the greatest linebacker in the history of the game. Yeah. He's really good. But, like, you know, to make up for that gap, if his attitude was as bad as some are saying and there were those issues, then, you yeah, know. If it, those like, are all true, it, I don't want him on the Dolphins. Right. And and I think it's not some of that. I think that's, like, nitpicking. And I think that's starting to pile on and teams trying to add into the, well, you know, there is a shoulder issue and we don't know how serious he takes, you know. I think it's just kind of sandbagging to be like, yeah, see, like, you know, but I did hear a lot of talk, too, that they hope that Navarro Bowman is is the perfect guy to kind of take it, yeah, to mentor him and kind of show him, like, this is how you need to be a professional linebacker. All right, let's talk the teams we're repping on our shirts here in the studio tonight. Penn State, I kind of, you know, mentioned it earlier in the show that wasn't a great draft class for Penn State. They only had one player selected in the 253 picks in the 2017 draft. Um, as of tonight, I noticed four other players signed undrafted free agent contracts. I did see someone did did mention that, to be fair... We, there the, aren't a the, lot of upperclassmen. The upperclassmen that left Penn State, they said, that were actual contributors to the team, you could fit them in a Prius. All right? And there's not that's not too far from the truth. I mean, it might be a tight fit, but <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they were they were one of the youngest teams. Whereas Michigan graduated like forty eight or forty nine players last right. year, I think. So, and that's why everyone's high on Penn State for this year, right? Yeah. So the biggest loss for the Penn State team this fall is Chris Godwin. He was the only player that was picked. He went to the Buccaneers, another mm-hmm. offensive threat for them in the third round, the eighty fourth overall pick. So good luck to Chris. I was hoping he'd come back to Penn State for his senior season. I saw friend of the show. Former Penn Stater, former Buccaneer, uh, John Gilmore sent out a welcome, welcome to, Tampa. to Tampa. Yeah, yep. so I saw that as well. Then, like I said, four undrafted Penn Stater signed NFL contracts: linebacker Brandon Bell to the Bengals, defensive end Evan Schwan to the Giants, semi-local there, graduated from Central Dolphin, mm-hmm. won the state championship following the 2011 season. Uh, with Central Dolphin, he's off to the New York Giants. Former safety Malik Golan goes to the 49ers in the Bay Area, and defensive lineman Garrett Sickles is going to the Indianapolis Colts. This is the, this is one of the interesting ones, Garrett Sickles. Like, and I get it, and we see this a lot more now that football players are, they're all there in the summer and they're all taking classes. Like Garrett Sickles graduated, so like you know, there's some people like, oh, he left early. Well, he kind of left early, you know, because right. he he did graduate. And, you he know, had athletic but, eligibility, right? Left. Yeah, so. I don't blame him for leaving, but he had a year left. He could have come back. Now, honestly, here's the thing. If you don't think your draft stock is going to get that much better in one year, then maybe you should just go and sign as a, you know, obviously you'd love to get drafted, but you sign with a team where you think you've got a chance to, you know, make the practice squad or make the team and, you know, work your way up. But it brings me right back to Deion Barnes a few years ago who left. He might have had two years of eligibility left, I think. Like, he... And he, he was a flashier player, but oh yeah, absolutely. You know, left early. That was more of a situation where I felt like it was bad advice, and more maybe a, a prisoner of the situation in the moment. You know, kind of like I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, Garrett Sickles was more. You know, you graduated from college. Like if you don't, you know, if you want to move on with your life, like who's to say you shouldn't you know, pursue yeah. that. So you know, we don't know all the information. So it's tough to me to be hard on anyone for choosing that. Right. Exactly. But I understand what you're trying to say. And I, right. I completely agree. Right. And, and yeah, to be fair, that's from the Penn state, 
Penn State perspective where I would love to have him back. But like, you know, I, I know there are people who Penn State fans who would be like, look, see, he should have stayed. No, like, well, yeah, well, you go go through that nearly every year. There's right. someone you're like, come on, why are you leaving? Right. So like, you know, I don't I don't blame him at, at all. I hope it works out for him. Um, but yeah, you know, it's the guys with the eligibility, you know, right. sometimes they're like, uh, you know, but you, you never know, you know, if he comes back and gets hurt, then who knows, he might not ever get a shot, you know, so. Besides the Penn Staters, a few other notable undrafted players. Yeah, definitely. BYU quarterback Taysom Hill went to the Packers. I'm kind of surprised he wasn't drafted. Although he's had some injury issues, I believe. He has, yes. I believe he actually might have been at BYU for six years. And he also would have already done his... like he. So he's probably older. Yeah, he's probably like 27. Yeah. Minnesota quarterback Mitch Leidner. This is why you don't believe anything that's coming out now about the 2018 draft. Because last year at this time, people were talking about him as a first-round quarterback. Florida State wide receiver Travis Rudolph goes to the Giants. Baylor- this one where th- that one, I I feel that one really tears at me because it's Florida State, so not a fan. Right. Goes to the Giants. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> but Travis Rudolph, all the stories. So he, you may have caught the story. They showed it during the draft. They showed it also um, last football season how he kind of took um, the middle schooler with autism kind of under his wing and yep. like a bite. Great story. His dad was killed in a freak accident kind of thing like two weeks ago. Um, a bullet or a gun went off. Bullet travels into a different room and kills his dad. Just terrible circumstances. I'm really rooting for Travis Rudolph, even though that Too goes bad. everything against me in the fandom. <laughs> Too bad he's a former Seminole now playing for the I Giants. know, I know. So I hope he does um, good. When it benefits the Eagles, we'll put it that way. <laughs> so against the Cowboys and Redskins, I hope he does well. But another uh, big time collegiate wide receiver, former Baylor Bear, Katie Cannon, goes to the Forty Niners. A uh, Big Ten quarterback, Michigan State, Tyler O'Connor to the Bengals. West Virginia running back Russell Shell to the Steelers. Texas A and M quarterback Trevor Knight to the Cardinals, and Wisconsin running back Corey Clement. To the Eagles. New Jersey native, too, Corey Clement. Um, I like that pick for the Eagles. Um, I think Corey Clement could see some time. Like, Eagles yeah, aren't why necessarily not? there, and we'll, we're about to get to that. But, um, you know, some people thought they might make a splash with, with a dra- drafting a, a running back. That wasn't the case. When, and I'm okay with that. Like, I, right. I really am. Like, if they could get a guy that they wanted, I was fine with that. But don't take someone for the sake of taking someone. You can get somebody in the free agency, you know, there. So I I don't have a problem with that. I know some people will, um, but not well, me. Some people have some people just to have just problems. Just like to be wrong all the time. So right. <laughs> They need to watch the show because we're say, never wrong. I was going to say some people probably think that about our show. But, um. All right. So let's take a look now at the Eagles draft as a whole. We'll run through most of them pretty quickly. We want to recap all six of these teams before we get out of here. So. First pick, 14th overall, maybe a bit of a surprise. We weren't necessarily thinking defensive line. Maybe, I mean. Pretty much anywhere else on defense. There were needs on offensive line, but it wasn't a deep class for that. Most of the other parts of the defense, secondary and linebacker, you were thinking, all right, we could be in the running there. There were talk about running back, but of course McCaffrey went in the top 10. So pick 14 comes up, and who do they pick? 
Derek Barnett, the defensive end from Tennessee. Yeah, I had seen something like this is a couple weeks ago. They're like, book it. They're going to take Derek Barnett, and I was like, yeah, right. Like, there's no way, you know. And it wasn't like a big. Thing. It was it one was of the sports somebody. talk hosts, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then it turns out to be the case. Now, you know, I kind of said this last year when they drafted, when they traded up, to, when they had the second overall pick and they took Carson Wentz, people were like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, last time we took a quarterback number two, it worked out pretty well. That was McNabb. Last time you took a defensive Let, last time Tennessee. we Last time we took um, a record-breaking defensive lineman from Tennessee. Worked out pretty well. Worked out pretty well. So I know that's a bit of a stretch. There's right, really yeah, nothing there. But like, you know what? Um, I think this is summed up in this pick. Um, they talked about the front office with this draft. That has come out and actually said, we, you know, we're not looking, not that you don't want a guy that can be a splash and, you know, make a huge impact, but they said, we're drafting for guys where we're projecting careers, not immediate impact. And that's like, what good teams do. Right. And they said, you know, they, they we've heard a lot of this. This shows that there's a lot, there's more stability in Philly than there has been for the last few years in terms of Peterson and the front office are not concerned about their jobs not to say they couldn't do any you know if they they go two and 14 they're they're in trouble but like you know that's not the expectation the expectation is this team is going to start building young and honestly as a fan look this team's not in a position where they are going to add one or two pieces and make the super bowl next year so this is what they need to do you need to build young get a good core i think they have a lot of pieces here that i really like i like the barnett pick sydney jones could be you're, you're going to have to wait and see, but could be the best defensive back in the draft. A lot of people I, thought he was a top 15, top 10 pick before he tore his Achilles, but he's ahead of schedule. Could come back in October. Don't rush it. Yeah. You know, like let him Nothing learn, underscores but. the regime's look towards the future and not just the immediate mm-hmm. splash than this pick of Sidney Jones in the second round. There are plenty of other players they could have taken that right. would have had more of an impact this year. Jones, like you said... Supposed to be cleared probably end of August, early September. Then there'll be some time to get him back in football shape. He'll probably start the season at least on the pup list. He has to be activated, I think, by week 10. Uh, the pup list is the first six weeks. But why rush it? You know, un- yeah. I guess unless you think he can make an immediate impact. Well, and that's one of those things where, like, he probably is, gets redshirted this is, year. Is the team doing better than you thought they would? You know, like, are you competing for the division or, you know? Then you might look to play him because you don't know how many shots you'll get. I don't think that's going to be the case. So I think, you, you know, you get him to a point where maybe he can practice, you know, or start, you know, working out, but not, I guess, technically practicing. But you start getting those routines and where he's learning. You're around the team, but not – don't rush it. Don't rush it. They went cornerback again in round three. Yep. Got Russell Douglas from West Virginia. Um, I think here – I, I might have this mixed up with Sidney Jones, but I think here it's a big guy. I think he's like six three. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I could I don't be wrong. Know I think he's long, which is you know something you like can be a big benefit. Um, you know, you kind of have to wait and see. But a lot of people think you know some of this based on what they have at positions. They already have some defensive linemen. So Derek Barnett, what impact is he going to have? Kind of have to wait and see. A lot of people think Russell Douglas could be starter fairly early. For the Eagles, at least in sub and not right, and not necessarily a statement all about Russell Douglas, but more about the Eagles' secondary in general. Um, and you hope he grows. Two of their next 
pick, two of their next three picks were wide receivers, Matt Collins from North Carolina and Shelton Gibson from West Virginia, two completely different wide receivers. Right. So Matt Collins, this was kind of cool, and I liked seeing this. I actually watched this pick be made, and they put the film on, and you know, they talked about how you know there's some things he needs to work on and stuff, big wide receiver, but he is a special teams, like, they showed Fiend. clip after clip of him gunning down the field and making the tackle and kickoffs and punts and stuff. They said he he didn't have Every a big offer in, from out of high school. So he was a walk-on at North Carolina, and they said, and has grown and gotten better and has still plays with that fire, though, of like he's trying to earn a spot, earn a scholarship, all that stuff. And they, they talk about this pick, again, just show this was like, not only does he have the possibility to be a, a really good wide receiver for for the Eagles, but just the attitude and the work ethic and everything that he brings. They said he's a guy that comes every day and just works hard. So um, what you're saying is after his rookie contract expires and there wasn't a ton of production on offense, he's going to go to the Patriots and be the next all-star. Yes, yes. So That's how this works, right? <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they can do that with the Eagles, <laughs> get some out of him before he leaves. So um, what about Shelton Gibson? He's more of the speedster. He's the guy that's going to take the top off the defense right. and open things up. You know up. what? You need some of that too, though. So I'm okay with that. It's a good pair. Right, exactly. The, you need those guys. And here's what it comes down to. Like, can these guys help the guys that are already there? All right, so Jordan Matthews. You mean the 11 other wide receivers on so, the Eagles roster? So Jordan Matthews, I think, is still a guy that – he may not turn out to be as good as everyone had hoped originally, but can his, still be a contributor. This is his uh, swan song. This right. is his contract year. I think Nelson Aguilar can be better than he has been. He's not going to be the guy I was hoping. I was really excited when they got him. He's not going to yeah, be the we guy. We talked about him a lot two years right. ago. He's not going to be the guy that I thought he was going to be. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean he can't be productive in the right offense. I think a guy like Shelton Gibson helps that because they don't have that guy right now who can just blow the top off the defense um, and get down the field. So you need some of that. It's one of the areas where, you know, you had some inconsistency, but um, with Carson Wentz, they were able to throw it down the field some last year. It's tough to gauge that, though, when you don't have a wide receiver who can't get behind anyone. You right. know, like the Eagles, <laughs> when every deep ball is going to be a jump ball, you can't be like, oh, it's a bad throw. Yeah, but if you have all wide receivers that are running four sixes, you know that yeah. it's hard to get behind a guy and throw it to him wide open. So, in between Hollins and Gibson was Donnell Pumphrey from San Diego State. All I he love did this was pick set the, the FBS record for rushing right. yards. And people were like, "Oh, he's only five eight, all this stuff." Yeah, well, look no yeah, further than Darren the Eagles Sproles. to see what a small guy can do. You know, I think it's a great fit for the West Coast offense that they run. You know, the Andy Reid offense is basically all we're doing here. Um, so I think he's a great running back that, especially when you get him in the fourth round, you know, like I love this pick in the fourth round. I, I like what they were able to do here. You know, I, I was having this conversation with someone, um, on Saturday. Okay. This, this might be a stretch, but in our lifetime, who's the best Eagles running back? Like, I think it's pretty clear with the Eagles anyway. Okay. So I'm trying to think, I was like, well, overall or. Right. I, I, so like, because there's I'm some probably forgetting fans. someone because I'm not right. an Eagles fan, but the right. first one that pops to my head is Deuce Staley. Okay, to me, I'm going Brian Westbrook. Oh, yeah, you're right? probably right. So, Brian Westbrook, kid from Villanova, was an unknown. Andy Reid knew him because he took his son to the games and it was his son's favorite player. Right? Gets him in the draft after they realized they could get him later than they thought because no one else was really on him. Like, 
was Brian Westbrook the best running back in the NFL? You could make an argument that there were a year or two where he was, but it summed the system and they had a lot of weapons. Like, I get that. But he was really good. I think Danell Pumphrey could be a similar situation. I'm not saying he's going to be the best running back over the next 30 years for the Eagles, but he could be a guy that a lot of people are like, ah, you know, well, you know, he played at San Diego State. Like, oh, no, like, I think in. If if they can develop the other offensive guys the way they need to, then Nell Pumphrey could have play a huge role in this offense. Not I'm not saying he's going to be the best running back in the league. I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to hand it to him 30 times a game because that's not his style in, in the NFL. I don't think that's going to translate to him. But you're telling me, you know, seven to 13 touches a game, you know, for him isn't somewhere where he could be. I think it's a great, great guy that you could mix up, that you could combine with a guy like Corey Clements. You know who? Right. We'll we'll see what he gets. To that do. was my so. takeaway. I was like, well, you got the bruiser, and now you got the uh, probably someone that'll take over for uh, Sproles. Right. You know that's uh. So like I I like that pick, and like I said, the key is in the fourth round. You weren't taking him in the second or third round. You got him in the fourth round. So. The second fourth round pick. Yeah. So the final two Eagles picked were Nate Jerry, safety from Nebraska, and Elijah Qualls, defensive tackle from Washington, uh, teammate of Sidney Jones. They needed defensive help. Are these guys just going to be filler? Are they going to make an impact? Tough to say. It's hard to do so in the later rounds, but it's happened in the past. For the Eagles, like any other team, we'll find diamonds in the rough. Obviously, you hope that's true. Right. Uh, So Nate Jerry and Elijah Qualls round out the Eagles draft. Yeah, and I'm okay with the Eagles drafting, not looking for the immediate splash. You know, you'd love to have one of these guys step up and have a huge, you know, breakthrough quicker than you would have expected, but I'm okay with them drafting for the future. Like, that's okay because we're we're not a Super Bowl team right now. We need we need to get back to contending. That's what needs to happen. And that happens by building a team, not by trying to hit a home run every time. All right. So a couple texts have come in from my dad. He says, wake me up when you're done with the Eagles. Blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about a real team. <laughs> he says that he thinks the Eagles should be a little bit better, but they'll still end up fourth place in their division. Uh, let's see. We got one from my uncle. Uh, I'm not really quite sure what to make make of the one from my uncle. Uh, something about super super rings. I'm guessing there's a word missing in there, um, but maybe he's talking about more of what I mentioned about Mac Hollins. Oh, okay. How yeah, he'll, yeah, be a, he'll be a he'll be you know an average player for the Eagles. The the team and the fans will be like, yeah, what you know, what is a big loss? Right. He'll go the, to New England. This will be what'll happen. He'll be a restricted free agent. Right. They'll make an offer sheet that they know the Eagles aren't gonna pay to match. They'll get him for a good deal. And then he'll make the Pro Bowl and win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And probably make like you know, the amazing catches that make it happen. But. All right, let's we'll wake up my dad from his slumber uh, to pay attention. I'll live now. that nightmare in the future. I don't right. have to live that That's right now. That's future Justin's problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Dallas picking twenty eighth in the first round, twenty eighth overall. Another Michigan player, and it's their first of two just for the Cowboys. Taco Charlton, defensive end. One of the best names in college football already translating to endorsements yeah. around the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. A little bit of a surprise pick, especially with other players that were on the board and based on their needs. I wouldn't say defensive line was at the top. We thought it was secondary because they lost four contributors, majority of them starters, because they were left, let them go in free agency or they cut them loose. So you thought maybe they'd be looking that direction. They go for the defensive line. 
Taco Charlton. Second and third picks, now they start to address the secondary. They get Jadobia Woozy from Colorado. I have no idea if I said that right. I'm going to go with I, I was gonna just two push awesome names to start. I was going to just push through and be like, just act like that's right. Right. Because who's yeah. going to question you? Yeah. But I honestly have no idea if I. If no I one listening to the show is going to question. Probably not. Probably because not. No Our one first listening... YouTube comment will be like tearing me apart right. for pronouncing so it. So here's the thing I guarantee the people who just texted you would not do nearly as good of a job <laughs> pronouncing the name. No, and because they're going to the that. Cowboys, we're going to have a chance to hear this for a long time. So so that's the first quarterback picked by the Cowboys, second round, 60th overall pick. Then in the third round, 92 was he overall, the guy with some issues Jordan Colorado? Lewis, someone thought probably better than closing in on a, the top 100, maybe more of a top 50 type player. Yeah. But he had to some off-the-field stuff recently so that's still hanging over to his me, head. To me, Jordan Lewis was the better player than just didn't get the hype that Jabril, Pepper. Jabril Peppers got. If you were talking to me, who was the best defensive player on that team last year, I'm going with Jordan Lewis, not Jabril Peppers. That's me personally. I didn't see every Michigan game. I saw a bunch of them, but I didn't see every Michigan game. The only one I saw, I'm not glad I saw it. <laughs> So and they all looked awesome yeah. that game. <laughs> so Jordan Lewis, third round pick, late third round pick, ninety second overall, cornerback from Michigan. Yeah, he's got a chance because of their depleted depth chart to start right away if he's not in trouble with the law and the league. No, yeah, but I mean it's the Cowboys, so they're perfectly fine with that kind of thing all the time. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh-huh. All right, so we talked about um his teammate with the Eagles just a few minutes ago. Ryan Switzer, a wide receiver from North Carolina, going to Dallas to play ball there. He's very similar to Cole Beasley, so a lot are wondering whether that means Beasley's on his way out. I think Beasley is on his way out, mostly because he's done so well. He's going to need a bigger paycheck, and I don't think the Cowboys are going to give it to him. Right well, Now, we mentioned... Because they're going to have a number of big contracts coming up in the next few years. Yeah, yep. They're going to have to start to prioritize and giving it to your a productive but third best wide receiver. Not not, not the not way the, to go. Not the best right. way to go. So we said they need a secondary help. So they already took two cornerbacks. Now they come back in the sixth round, two picks, both DBs, Xavier Woods from Louisiana Tech uh, safety and Marquez White, a cornerback from Florida State. So now four of their six picks, defensive backs. And they had to do it. They lost four contributors yeah. are gone. And this is a team that was, what were they, 14-2, and 13-3. No, yeah. They gave a gimme to the Eagles at the end of the Hey, game. hey, you know, all I know is the Eagles sent them on a downward spiral <laughs> and they didn't recover. So. so four players right here. Obviously, the earlier ones are going to be likely to make <laughs> contributions as rookies, especially Lewis if he gets cleared and doesn't face any disciplinary action. He's a guy that could be starting on the outside immediately. Uh, three picks in the seventh round for the Cowboys. Joey Ivey from Florida. Noah Brown from Ohio State, another wide receiver. And then a second defensive tackle, Jordan Carroll from Colorado. Two Colorado players for the Cowboys as well. Also, now we get a couple of Michigan-Ohio State players in there. Yeah. A Florida and Florida State. So it's interesting to see where these guys play college ball. Now they got to play with uh, former teammates or arch rivals. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of uh, how that translates. Um, you know, but I, you know, I think they did get some some 
good players there. Like you said, those defensive backs, it'll be interesting because they kind of need some of them to I'd step in right At least two away. of them are going to yeah. play significant time this yeah, year. So. Probably you would think it would be Woozy and Lewis. Yeah. But who knows? If Woods or White step up with uh, the lack of uh, depth down there, Yeah, who knows? Maybe all, all of them will, will see some time in 2017. All right. So the third stop on the NFL Draft Recap Tour is Pittsburgh. And they made a splash taking another linebacker to shore up their defense, but one with a familiar name and pedigree, T.J. Watt from Wisconsin. Now, if he becomes anything like his older brother, you're not going to be happy about that. No, it'll be awful. It'll be absolutely awful. And I don't wish that against him. Like I, I like J.J. Watt. I really wanted the Eagles to get him. I knew they wouldn't when it happened, but I really liked J.J. Watt. T.J. Watt almost killed Trace McSorley in the first half of that game in the he Big did, Ten Championship yep. this year. Like He was just destroying him over and over. Penn State had their revenge on that. Yeah, um, yeah, they got they got it in the end. I loved, I don't know. As we heard in the opener. Did you see the Twitter exchanges? So when they drafted yeah, him. J.J. told uh, well, Levian Bell to, right, was it, was it Levian? No, what I'm, what I'm saying is, so somebody sent, um, a Wisconsin fan sent, a thing in and mentioned Trace McSorley on oh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, are you awake yet? And at like two thirty in the morning, he said, "Yep, wide awake." And then did like a smiley face and a ring because they won. And then um, Evil James Franklin <laughs> satire account sent out a picture that said, "Neat, two first rounders in the same frame." And it's Saquon beating T.J. Watt on the wheel route that gave him the lead. Um, so, but uh, anyway, yes. it was just, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun back and forth. That aside, I really like what T.J. Watt did at Wisconsin. Um, for what it's worth, which is not much, J.J. Watt has said that T.J. is say, much better at this, this point, point than career. he was. Yep. And I would, I would honestly, I might agree with that. J.J. Watt showed flashes at at Wisconsin, Wisconsin but, T, but was also... He was a walk-on, wasn't he? Well, he transferred for, I think he was a JUCO transfer, oh, okay. I think. I think he went to like... Um, like Wisconsin Whitewater, one of those schools that like wins a lot at one of the lower divisions. So maybe not a, a true okay. Juco, but um, but TJ Watt was was more known, I believe. And, and well, he's also more raw because he was a fullback until this yeah, year. This is yeah. first year playing linebacker, right? So yeah, and he, he played really well. Um, I think that's a great pick for the Steelers. I, I yeah, really do. I agree. I agree. Uh, I like their second pick, another wide receiver, yep. Juju Smith-Schuster from Southern Cal. We saw him in person in the Rose Bowl, and he he's got some talent to bring to that yeah. offense. I, I loved seeing uh, Mar- Martavis Bryant and uh, who was the other one that who did he say that he's coming to replace? I wanted to say um, Wheaton, but it wasn't Wheaton. It was. Uh, I, Sammy yeah. Coates. Yeah, yeah. Sammy Coates. He said Smith Schuster's coming to replace Sammy Coates. The Pittsburgh receivers already arguing just after the right. pick. Well, and did you see, like, Tomlin got on there and was like, play nice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, but I mean, I do like the pick for the Steelers. Yes. And, and that's another guy, you know, a mid, mid-round mid uh, wide receiver pick that'll end up being the next big thing. Yep. I could see that happening with Smith Schuster. Uh, Cameron Sutton, we talk about the Steelers always have issues in their secondary. They refuse to take him early, but they get Sutton from Tennessee. Yeah, so we'll kind of we'll wait and see because it's like a revolving door in that secondary. And I don't know. 
Probably the feel good story of the draft this is an and awesome of college story. football this year. Again, another one that tears me because yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, how can I actually? Right. Because he played at the Pitt. NFL team and the college team, you know, it's but... just all down the toilet. Right. So, one of the best stories of college football this year was James Conner's return to action following batter with cancer. Running back from Pitt is taken by the Steelers in the third round, 100, pick 105. And. Uh, very very emotional thing yeah. for him. Uh, very if you've good seen story. ESPN, I, ESPN's done a couple of like the you know the ten minute like special segments. You know the ones where Tom Rinaldi comes on and you know you're going to start crying. Right. Um, they've done a couple of those with James Conner. I suggest searching for those and, and watching those. They're they're incredible. Again, one of those James Conner goes to pit. I can't root for him. Goes to the Steelers. Can't root for him yet. You still the want him to do The story well. of James Conner, right. he's like, how can I not root for him? So, like, you know, I, I do hope that he is successful there. I'm really happy for him, um, you know, for all those obvious reasons. Pick 135 in the fourth round. Steelers, maybe, kind of, sort of, considering life without Roethlisberger, maybe take a flyer on a quarterback. They do so with uh, Cameron Sutton's teammate, Joshua Dobbs. Who does he compare to? Dak Prescott. Where was Dak Prescott picked? 135. 135. <laughs> Obviously, those connections, as we mentioned with the Eagles, irrelevant, but right. fun. We'll always talk about pick 199 for quarterbacks. Pick 135, now maybe a new one. Joshua Dobbs from Tennessee. An interesting one. We know Roethlisberger's back this year. Could Dobbs supplant? Right. You know, you start wondering, because they, they did talk about um, you know, they did t- talk about this with with Ben, not necessarily this specific pick, but the draft strategy in general, if we may be looking, because I think the, the consensus is Landry Jones is not the guy right? Um, that's going to be the long-term not replacement. Long-term. Right. Is the guy for a game or two that Ben will be hurt this year because he's hurt every year because he... Because he takes a beating. He does take a beating, but he also likes to tell you how much of a beating he takes. Um, not that he does. He does. But he, he likes taking credit for the beating that he takes. Um, just taking my shots while I can. Uh, yeah, hey, let it, good, let it go, right? let it go. But, let, you know, they did address this with Ben. And to be fair, you know, Ben kind of put the ball in their court right. to do this when he's I like, I may retire. Oh, okay, well, you know, so you know, we're kind of leaving us in that spot. So, like, that's one of those where I'm glad that that's how that worked out. Because if Ben would have been, like, you know, mad about this pick, like, we need help other places, like, no, 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 you can't. Tell the team or the public that you might retire and then also be mad that they're trying to find replacements right. in case you retire. Like, So th- that's not how it played out. But again, Ben being in the middle of drama. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. The final three picks for the Steelers were Brian Allen, another cornerback pick from Utah. Colin Holba, a long snapper from Louisville. Interesting to see a specialist like that pick. Good for him. Not until the sixth round. Yeah, good for him. Congratulations. Then seventh defensive end from Western Michigan, Keon Adams. So real quickly here, we've got a couple teams left to do. We're going to run through the Ravens next. And as usual, a pretty strong draft from Baltimore. First up, Alabama. First Bama player taken was Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback. Yeah. At I, 16. I like that pick for them. Um, you know. A lot of people think of their defense as being solid, and they, they can be at times, but they need to sure up that secondary, especially with the injury bug that they've had that seems, seemingly has been for a couple of years. 
Up next, another solid pick, one that thought to maybe go earlier. Tyus Bowser, the linebacker from Houston. Yeah. Um, in round three, they, they were able to get some more defensive help. So you see kind of a theme here in Baltimore, which is interesting because yeah. their offense isn't exactly letting it up. But, you know, they they went defense. So they went with Chris Wormley, who, again, was a good player at Michigan. Um, kind of played his role really well. Um, I believe it was Chris Wormley that they talked about was a, a walk-on. I, I don't know. I thought they talked about him being a walk-on. I think his brother plays at Michigan now. He was a walk-on. And maybe there might have been an older brother who's now in the NFL who was also a walk-on at Michigan. Interesting. I, I think. I, I might have that mixed up. I might have that mixed up. But um, there was a Michigan player where that story fits. I think it was Chris Warmer. Fourth defender in four picks. Their second, third-round pick. 78th overall. Another Alabama pr- product. Tim Williams. Another solid, solid pick yep. for the Ravens. And then to round it out, they went with two guards and another defensive back, Nico Siragusa from San Diego State. In the fourth round, Jermaine Ilyamanur, guard from Texas A&M. In the fifth round, and in the sixth round, Chuck Clark, a defensive back from Virginia Tech. So this overall, they went with five defenders and perfect, two offensive Perfect linemen. example. You look at this draft, and I guarantee there are a bunch of fans who are like, what? We didn't get like anybody. No, this is the kind of draft where you look back like – and I'm – Saying that, you know, kind of independent of the exact players, but just positions and, you know, drafting solid guys, you know, that's the kind of draft where you look and you're like, you know, five years from now, they're like the great class of draft right. class of 2017 for the Ravens, you know, like, you it's, know, it could be a foundation. Right. It'll be like they're two starting guards and like, you know, three pro bowlers on defense. Right. Just that's the way this tends to work out sometimes. So. Another great draft from the Ravens. Not flashy, but a lot of substance. Should they have taken a developmental quarterback? Looking some years down the road. So are you asking if Joe Flacco is elite? I'm kidding. I can ask it, but it's a pretty easy answer. (laughs) He is. He's a Super Bowl champion. Certainly. Right. All right. So because he was listening, maybe he's not anymore. I'm just going to blow past that. (laughs) Let's do the New England Patriots because it's quick. They didn't have very many picks. Unfortunately, it's because they traded the first rounder for Brandon Cooks. Yeah. <sighs> they also so, lost one of those picks somehow. I don't, I don't know. I know, yeah. Who knows what happened there? So two third rounders, a fourth rounder, and a sixth rounder. And the, the first of the two third rounders was Derek Rivers, a defensive end from Youngstown State. I don't have much to add about that. Yeah, me either. Except uh, Trestle's the university president there. I know that. But. Started there. Yeah. Or at least that's where he gained notoriety before he yeah. went to Ohio State. Then two picks later, 85th overall, Antonio Garcia, offensive lineman from Troy. Fourth round, 131, Dietrich Wise, defensive end from Arkansas. And they rounded out six, sixth round, pick 211, Connor McDermott, offensive line from UCLA. So, so they went defensive end, they went pass rusher, someone to protect from the pass rusher, pass rusher, someone to protect from the pass rusher. Yeah. They're just like, at the introductory press conference, they're just going to line them up and be like, all right, uh, you guys, you two over here, you two over there. So you Ready, can get to the quarterback. Go. Yeah. And if you touch our quarterback, we'll kill you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just just because it's the Patriots, you know, I think it's safe to say, what, three of these guys will be Hall of Famers? Yeah, three out of four will be Hall of Famers. You know, probably, you know, a good eight, nine Super Bowl rings between the four of them. So that's how that'll work out. Uh, you know, forget being able to draft early or in more quantity. These are probably the four guys you wanted from the draft. We'll look back on that in 
six years or so and be able to realize that. Right. So, so they lost a the pick. They traded the pick. But, I mean, you got to include Brandon Cooks in here, which is, is already an established wide receiver. Right, yeah. Another threat. Based on what else they did in free agency, I mean, the Patriots are <coughs> destined to win the AFC East and be probably 14-2 and two and are easily the favorites to at least represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, if not win the Super Bowl outright. Oh, yeah. Tom Brady doesn't have to sit out the first four games this year, so chalk that up. Now, they went 3-1 and one last year, so. Right. I, they will find a way to improve on that, though, and they'll be 4-0 after the first month of the season. So. Lastly, my team, I was not thrilled with the pick of Charles Harris, the defensive end from Missouri. Uh, I, know, I know. And I know this means know. very little, but we we kind of said it earlier. Defensive ends from Missouri haven't had a great history, at least recently. And I know it should be independently thought of, but people talk all the time about positions from school don't succeed in the NFL. I'm just not high on Missouri pass rushers. Harris apparently was high on Miami front office list, and they they got him. So mm-hmm. he gets to learn from former Penn Stater Cameron Wake. Hopefully he has an opportunity to fit in the rotation this year and will eventually take over for Wake in the next two or three years. I was happy about their pick of Raekwon yeah, McMillan. I like that pick. You know, I don't like Ohio State, but he is a no. thumper. He is a prototypical yeah. middle linebacker. He may get asked to play strong linebacker this year, although I think he'll sit behind Koamisi, learn both strong and middle. Good. He'll be <laughs> probably taking over for Lawrence Timmons in a few years at middle. Timmons came over from the Steelers, the new Dolphins middle linebacker. So I think McMillan will get special teams time. He'll be the primary backup at a few positions. But I like the I, pick. I, I think that may be their strongest pick. I know some personally. people were surprised that they took him over. Um, I think it's Zach Cunningham. I personally preferred McMillan, but I had seen more of McMillan than Cunningham. Yep. So, I don't know. My take, linebacker from a big, big ten program like Ohio State. It, that we talk about positions. Like I know there's been some misses there for them in the pros, but like there's been some quality linebackers out of Ohio State too. So like I, I, I like that pick, Raycon McMillan. Not only for that reason, but I, I think he's. I think he's a good Speaking value. Speaking of Ohio State two. linebackers, I think both A.J. Hawk and James Laranice retired this yeah, offseason. Yeah, they did. They did, yeah. All right, so Dolphins' third pick, third round, 97th overall, Cordray Tankersley, a cornerback from Clemson. A couple big-name cornerbacks from Clemson have come out over the last few years, so Tankersley was kind of in the shadow there. Uh, he stepped up in a big way this year, won the national championship. He'll have an opportunity to at least play in sub-packages, Probably push the starters, though I don't see him taking over this year for either of the guys, including one of last year's picks, Xavier Howard. But he should easily fit in with the Michigan State converted wide receiver into cornerback Tony Lippett. And, you know, Dolphins needed help in the secondary. I know they were down a bunch of starters when they lost to the Steelers in the playoffs, but they, they needed help in the secondary. And hopefully Tankers yeah. leads that. I saw both sides of the coin. In terms of picking Isaac Ariata, uh, I thought I think it's Asiata. I think this is spelled wrong. I, I didn't write it; I just copied it. So I believe it's Asiata, like Matt Asiata from the, the Vikings. A guard from Utah was the Dolphins' fifth round pick, one sixty four, or their first in the fifth round. I saw both that he it was a good pick and that it was a bad pick. I don't have a lot to say. The Dolphins needed help in the interior offensive line. The word from the Dolphins sites, the beat writers, is that he'll compete right away for that, an opportunity to start this year. Second, fifth round pick for the Dolphins, Dave, Devon Goodchow. Check out that spelling. That is a typical LSU spelling. That yeah. is perfectly 
fits in there so perfectly. Ends in A-U-X. Was absolutely amazing when I saw that he played at LSU with yes. a last name like that. It just fits. It does. So the Dolphins actually went defensive tackle back-to-back with Devon and then Vincent Taylor from Oklahoma State. Dolphins looking to the future. They have Sue and Phillips there now, but you can never have too many linemen, especially interior guys. And with the amount that Sue gets suspended and Phillips' health in question, well, both and these the amount guys you could pay Sue, year. like I honestly, and it's not. This isn't a statement on his production, but I think first chance they have to get out from underneath that contract, they're going to do so. Um, without it, it won't be this year. Let so. me rephrase that. When it won't just bear, they, they right, could right. get out from under it whenever they want. But honestly, though, I think the significant money was in the first two years. So yeah, and that's usually when the bonuses are and all that stuff that you you've already spent that. So you, you well, kind maybe of it was your one in three. It so, was something weird like that. Also, that's one of the things. Just going back a little bit to people were surprised because the Bears just signed. Uh, Mike Lennon to a three-year contract, but everybody said S- it could be a one-year contract right. for them. A which, lot of them work which out that way. Doesn't mean they're going to cut him after year one, but it means they could cut him after year two, right? You know, like and and not take the huge hit. The so. last Dolphins pick was Isaiah Ford, a wide receiver from Virginia Tech. I don't, I don't have much to say about that. I, yeah. I haven't seen Ford play at Virginia Tech, and I don't know what Miami was thinking. When picking him, not not to say that it wasn't a <laughs> no, good pick. I know, I just, I know. It's a seventh round pick, so like it's tough for me to really know much about it. All right, so that's the main six teams we cover, and then a couple other notable picks. We talk about the Bengals and their running back backfield got a little bit busier. You know, they have, um, oh, now I'm not going to Giovanni Bernard. They drafted mm-hmm. a few years ago. Then they got, oh, guy from LSU. Yeah, can't think of his name. I can't think of anyone named tonight whatsoever. But that now they've added Joe. But Mixon. now they've added Joe Mixon, and obviously he has massive off the field issues. He says he's learned that things are different. I think it also happened in 2014. It's just it really blew up this year. Yeah, because he sat out an entire year. Right, like he was suspended. People are like, oh, he didn't get punished. No, he he did get no, punished. It's just like, it happened so long ago. But like right. it all blew up this year. Right. So very talented. He probably dropped because of that. Some think he could, because depending on if you liked Fournette's style or not, Mixon could be the best all-around back in this draft. Right. You know, McCaffrey is the slash type of guy, but Mixon takes that and is a great runner, but, you know, between the tackler runner. This, and I'll say this, like, you know, he needs to get that stuff straightened out. Like, obviously, that's not going to fly. And if it, you know, if that continues to be an issue, he should and will end up in jail. You know, like that, if he keeps having issues like he's had that's going to not take very long to kind of work its way out. The flip side of that is if he can, you know, if he has changed, if he, if he is going to, you know, get his life together, I guess for lack of a better way of explaining it, then honestly, if you're Cincinnati right now and Marvin Lewis, like go ahead and take him. Like, cause if he, if it doesn't pan out, right? You're not going to be around to have to deal with all that stuff. Right. You know, like that's a terrible way to look at it, but like that's honestly part of what I think they're looking at here in terms of, now I know Marvin Lewis isn't the only one calling shots there, but like, right. you know, they're, Cincinnati is in a win now mode and I think Joe Mixon gives them a chance to win now and if there are problems, they will have to deal with that down the road, but if there are problems, the current staff isn't the one that's going to have to deal with those problems. At 52, their cross-state rival, Cleveland Browns, found their quarterback of the future, 
soon to be rookie of the year, according to Mr. Mark Rizzo, Deshaun Kaiser, quarterback from Notre Dame. We talked about the Browns getting quarterback. They did so at the 52nd pick. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he he's got the body of Cam Newton, and he's got the the preparation and mindset of Tom Marcus Brady, oh. according to him. According oh, oh. to him. So, oh, was that Kaiser? I was thinking that was Watson. That was Kaiser that said oh, that. Man, now a lot of people D- said Deshaun is. A lot of people said it was taken out of context. Like he was asked, D- like, "Come on, the media wouldn't do that." Well, I know, I know, but. <laughs> You know, and they he probably was asked like, "Who do you compare yourself to?" Right. Like, what's he supposed to say? Like, you know, Jamarcus Russell, yeah. Coy Detmer. <laughs> like, what if he Ryan would give an answer like that? Oh my god! Uh, All right, so Rudy, an- another team maybe thinking quarterback of the future. New York Giants take Davis Webb, developmental quarterback from California. Eli Manning, a lot of talk about him in the media recently because of memorabilia, but. You know, his time in New York is coming to an end. He's yeah. been there. Think about it. He's been there. This is, what, his 13th year? Yeah. Four, 13th or 14th year with the Giants? So they got to start thinking about the future. They went with Davis Webb. A few other quick hitters here. Jacksonville Jaguars took D.D. Westbrook from Oklahoma. He, with Baker Mayfield, was a very dynamic duo for the Sooners this last year. Denver Broncos stopped the slide of t- tight end Jake Butt from Michigan. He slid because he tore his ACL in the bowl game. He's going to collect a few hundred thousand of dollars in a medical payout because of it. And he's also going to be a great pick for the Broncos. Yes, he especially is. Especially at 145. Maybe not this year, obviously, but he's going to be the next yep. good Whenever tight end Whenever the Broncos at figure out the quarterback situation. Which, honestly, isn't the worst case scenario because, yeah, let him sit out this year while they're still sorting that stuff out. When they start to turn the table or turn the corner, now you, you add in a first-round talent in Jake Butt. You know, so that that's good. Another quarterback because quarterbacks move the needle. B- Buffalo Bills took Nathan Peterman, James Conner's teammate from Pittsburgh. The Cleveland Browns took Caleb Brantley, defensive lineman from Florida. May cut him before he even signs a contract because of off the field issues. Detroit Lions quarterback Brad Kaya from Miami, and finally the last pick of the draft, pick two fifty three. Normally two fifty four, but some team lost one. You know. You know, yeah, I don't know. I, what I forget. Happened. I forget what happened there. But the Broncos, Mister Irrelevant this year. Interesting. Chad Kelly, quarterback from Ole Miss. Chad Kelly is a quasi-local player. Yeah. He went to school at. Where do you play high school ball at now? Oh, oh it was local, like oh, a, I didn't like know a that. school that the school that we know. Uh, but now I can't for the life of me remember what it is. Uh, but he eventually ended up at Ole Miss. He has had issue major off the field issues, but he's the nephew of Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly. So John Elway throwing a bone there, picking him with the last pick. Mister Irrelevant is Chad Kelly from Ole Miss. So last section, local picks. We had a kid literally next door to the Wilson School District from Wyoming, Alex Anzalone from Florida. Outside linebackers going to the New Orleans Saints with the 76th overall pick. Then a couple uh, local colleges or semi-local colleges. Two Villanova players going to the Chiefs and Titans. A defensive lineman that I'm not even going to attempt to try to say his name. Uh, who, who, in th- some people said one of the reasons he dropped was because he spent too much time worrying about his academics. Um, that was one. I shouldn't say that's one of the reasons he dropped. 
Wait, who it, are you talking about? Um, to know Pasignan or whatever. Um, one of the one of the reported knocks on him was that people didn't know how much he values football because he worries about the classroom stuff too much. Chad Kelly attended Red Lion. Oh, I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. No idea. So, yeah, wow. I, I knew it was like quasi-local. It's New York. I did not know that. Yes. That's all. I mean, that's cool. But, um, yeah, there, there's a lot going on there. You can look that up if, if you want. Because there are multiple things that oh, yeah. I could be referring to. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, so, two Temple players besides... Uh, Reddick that went in the first round. The Bills took Deion Dawkins, a guard, and the Colts took Nate Harrison, a cornerback from Temple. Then the Bears took a lineman from Kutztown. And that's a cool one. Jordan Morgan played half a year of high school football because his school didn't have football, but they have you have to do enrichment stuff, so he played like with a co-op at a different school because he had to. Like, had to do something, and he chose football. Goes to Kutztown, which is a local university, and starts 43 games for them with Division Two, and like a legitimate Division Two program at Kutztown. And now um, he's and now he's in the NFL, going to maybe NFL. protect yeah. Uh, Trubisky. Yeah, <laughs> in the long run. Uh, one of the other undrafted players of note going to the Colts, Chris Mueller, an offensive lineman from Rutgers. Why am I mentioning him? Him? Well, he attended Boyertown. Yeah, in Boyertown. Boyertown also had. Um, the fullback for the Patriots also went. Correct. Yes, and he now has two Super Bowl rings. Yes. So, because they're the Patriots. Good for him. All right. So, <laughs> that is our 2017 NFL Draft recap. We went way long tonight. One of our longest shows in, in a while, although a lot of our shows recently have been running over an hour. Hopefully, you appreciate the content. And uh, we will be back next week completely changing gears we're going to actually talk some NBA playoffs next week. We're going to have a guest I'm ready. Uh, from one of my Star Wars podcasts. A man by the name of Dallas Wood is going to join us. He is a Utah Jazz fan. He lives Hey, out. big win for them today. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm sure he'll Moving be stoked. Uh, hopefully by this time next week, he'll be still excited about the Jazz. And uh, we'll have him on via Skype to talk a little NBA, which we don't do often, but we will uh, cover next week. Go Raptors. <laughs> Uh, get more from us at jmnjrradio.com. Make sure you follow all of our accounts on Twitter at jmnjr underscore radio, at Joe Mays and jraf, at jmflyer1454, and at Mr. underscore raffoff. Uh, are there, you have birthday shout-outs at all? I'm trying to think. Uh, my mom Bono has May. a birthday this week. Yeah. I'll say happy anniversary to my in-laws just, I believe, Friday or is the end of the week. My parents is coming up next week, so I'll say happy early anniversary to them. And also a huge congratulations to my cousin Nick and his yeah, wife Kathy yeah, on the birth that. of their baby girl. Yeah, congratulations. So, I think that's it. Yep. Anything else? No, nope, nope. we're good. All right, thanks for joining us. This wraps up the 231st episode of the Joe Mays and j Show. We hope you tune in every Sunday for our take on sports. Until next time, I'm j And I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and JRAF show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Facebook Live and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRAF.com. The Joe Mays and JRAF show is part of the JMNJR radio network. For more info, visit jmnjrradio.com.